Hello, and welcome to the Four Bronx Community Podcast. My name is Laura Levine Pinedo, and I am the founder and the director of the Four Bronx Project. My journey has led me to such amazing neighbors with such interesting stories, and I am ready to share them with you. I invite you to join us as we meet members of our community, such as small business owners and so much more. Let's support local, and let's have a cup of tea together and chat about all things community. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Axelbank. If I talked with a high voice, you'd say, oh, it's Laura. <laughs> but I, but I, I'm not Laura. Um, I, I don't know even know how to begin. Uh, I am uh, hosting the Four Bronx Community Podcast. And you're saying, well, wait a minute. Where is Laura? Laura's actually, what, three feet away from me because we've flipped the switch here. We've flipped the gig. And Good morning, I'm, Gary. That's it. And I'm actually going to be um, do, conducting the interview, which a lot of people know that that's what I like normally do. Uh, good morning, Laura. How are you? Good morning. Thank you so much for doing this. And this is totally hot seat. I don't know what's going to be asked. And I love it. I love as, the challenge. As I said to you, it's a hot seat for me because I don't know what I'm going to ask either. Um, <laughs> but um, just to let people know, um, the Four Bronx Community Podcast, Laura Levine Pinedo is the host of it all the time. And uh, she interviewed me and I was really um, pleased and honored to have done that. And now we've flipped it and uh, I said if you ever want to be interviewed I'm the guy to do it so here we are thank you so much um, well I, I just want to start with news that surprised me when I walked in uh, here to KRVC this morning that you have left the Bronx Burger House and I, I mean I, I don't know why or how um, many people identify and identified you with that place um, you could say whatever you want about it I have no idea what happened I mean, first and foremost, um, you know, I'm always an advocate for small businesses. I encourage everyone to support small, support local. Um, I wish nothing but the best for um, the Bronx Burger House and every other business in town. Um, but you know, I do have a vision. I have a, you know, I have a different way of thinking, and sometimes it doesn't align. And sometimes when you have a bigger picture and a bigger goal you have to take a risk and a chance and you have to pursue your dream. Uh, just before we get into that dream, because that's clearly going to be a subject for what we're going to talk about, um, you, you're going to be okay? You're going to work? You're going to do some other things? Yeah. So I mean, everybody's going to say, well, wait a minute, we care about <laughs> Laura. We hope she's okay. So Yeah, no, I'm at? totally fine. Um, it's sad because it's it's a big piece of my identity right now in the community. Um, everyone knows me from there? there. Eight years. Um, everyone knows me from there. Um, but, you know, in life, I think everyone the goal is to grow, right? And if you can't grow any longer, you have to, you know, make a move. And, and it could be scary and, you know, it could be sad, but you have to do it. Uh, you know, you said everything is on the table, and uh, I would never even consider asking this under other circumstances. How old are you? I'm 33. Okay. Yeah. So that's certainly young enough to have made a decision like that and move on and right. find other things. Okay. Right, right. So you said that you had a vision, and um, you want things to um, fit into that vision. Uh, what is that vision? For me, I am a product of this borough. I grew up on 238th Street in Review Place, um, and my dad is a disabled veteran. My mother, at times, worked two to three jobs to make ends meet, and I was at home with my grandparents. And I saw people struggle at a very young age. Uh, the community, I saw food insecurity, I saw people who did you know, they just weren't able to make it and the struggles and the sadness that they went through. And I, you know, it's just not a nice thing to see, you know, people looking for food. And sometimes people are just too proud to ask. And that's many, you know, instances of what I saw. But my grandparents did not have much, um, but they were still very generous people. My grandmother used to save a few dollars every single week. No matter what the financial situation was, we always had money to put in the church envelope, and she saved some money every week. At Christmas... You lived with them? I, 
I lived with my mom, but she was working so much that I really was just mainly in the grandparents' home, as many kids and, are. And that was also uh, in that neighborhood on 238th Street? 238th Street, yeah, in Review Place. So, like, right. if mom's working a double and she's getting off at 2 a.m., I'm staying at grandparents', you know? So, that was my home. That was, like, you know, dinner and all that stuff. Um, so, my grandmother saved a few bucks every single week, every week. And um, at the end of the year, we would go to the whole, the National Wholesale Liquidators, was a store in Cross County. We would go shopping and buy was all these things. Was a store in Cross County. Yes. And we would buy soap and gloves and socks and all these things, um, and we would give them to the homeless at Christmas time. And so that sparked, like, wow, it was really a great feeling to do that. So, so even though you didn't have a lot, right? Um, both mom, who worked crazy hours, and dad was disabled. Right. Uh, and and then grandma and grandpa uh, would actually figure out, number one, how to take care of you, and then number two, have enough money to say, well, this is how a person should be. Let's give to charity. Right, because at most times, the most charitable people are the people who don't have because they understand. And so, you know, people, you know, I, I know so many people that would literally give their last $5 and they don't have it themselves to somebody who, you know, is in, in more need than themselves. Uh, I, I know that well, I can't go by people sitting in the street begging. I give them a buck. I, mean, I do too. I, it's I, like a karma thing. I just because you never know. One day you're good, and this could be you tomorrow. This is the perfect intro for one one thing I know that you want to talk about, and that is for Bronx. For Bronx. And so here's a young woman who grew up in the Bronx, and you've already heard what she saw, and now um, she has put together. I guess in part the reason that we're here, which is this podcast. Right. But let's talk about Four Bronx, how it got the name, and also um, what it is. And um, you know, this is this is home turf for you. So Four Bronx is a project. I didn't have a name for it until last year, but I've been doing this a bit over two years. Um, and during the pandemic, when the restaurants were shut down and nobody could come in. I decided to do the takeouts like everybody else was doing, but also turn the space that I was in into a drop-off site where goods and resources could be redirected to people of the borough. It started out doing uh, you know, drives for the nurses because the nurses were going through a really tough time during COVID. And then it just turned into veterans. It turned into shelters, this, that. It just really took off. And it took off because the community supported it so much. Um, I think a lot of people want to help but they just don't know how to get involved. They don't have the vehicle to do it. They don't have the vehicle. So really what I do is I'm the link for the people who want to help and the people who need the help. And so, you know, we have just redirected thousands and thousands and thousands of resources to the Bronx. How, how long have you been doing this? Now, you said before the, the name came up uh, a year ago. I feel like it's a little longer than that. But uh, how long have you been doing this work uh, that led up to I would giving say it a name? Really, the pandemic, the t- height of the pandemic. So I'd say now three years. Um, but I had to last year, I had to kind of separate you know, this from my job because it's two separate entities. Job as? As a bartender, bar manager, I had to separate it because as the businesses were coming back, it's not fair to inundate a place with this. So I had to kind of separate myself. So how this happened was I had this vision for this project. You know, people were really, really supportive. And I started like calling local nonprofits to see if they would take me in, um, tell them what I do. And so I... Went to a few. Um, it was narrowed down between KRVC and a nonprofit in the Throgs Neck section of the Bronx. And I said, it doesn't, you know, KRVC is Riverdale. It's, you know, it's where I am, where I'm at, and Throgs Neck's a little bit out of the way. Um, and so I pitched this project and this idea to KRVC, and they took me in. To Tracy. To Tracy. And Linda, specifically Tracy. And how I got close with Tracy was during the pandemic, you know, this office space really didn't have any events because it's a small office space and people, you know, COVID and, and dis- social distancing. She had a Christmas event with a council member 
and they were giving away cookies and things like that because you don't want to stop community events. People really love the community events. She had nobody really to help her assemble these gift baskets. Partially because of the pandemic. Of course. So here I am. I'm just working. There's no socialization at all. I said, I'll come. I'll help you make these little gift baskets for Christmas. And then her and I, we got to know each other and we made a connection. And and because you realized you had similar objectives. Right. So when someone says stay away from sweets, I disagree because sweets uh, brought me here. (laughs) Well, you know, what I just uh, wrote down on my page and circled it was the word pandemic. And I believe that uh, the pandemic was obviously terrible. I mean, you may know that my own mom died uh, I'm so of sorry. COVID. Yeah, we, that's, that, when you interview me, we can talk yes. about that. No, I'm so but, sorry um, for your loss. But, um, so we, you know, we lost so many people and it was such a terrible thing. But there were some good things that came out of it. I mean, I think the, the sheds outside, I realize they're being managed by the mayor, you know, for restaurants. Right. I think that's a, that's a good, healthy thing for New York. And what you just described is another thing. You re reacted to the fact that everything was slowed down, maybe I can do something to help, and you created Four Bronx, and then you linked it up with CareVC. Right. As a result of the pandemic. As a result of the pandemic. So it's something I always wanted to do, but I never found my way until the pandemic, um, you know, and this opportunity arose. So I think the Four Bronx, our main goal is the redirection of goods and services to people of the borough. Um, There are people in this borough right at this moment who do not have a meal. They do not know what they're going to eat next. They don't have a pair of shoes. Um, And I have a lot of volunteers that come with me from our area that have firsthand seen uh, women and children check into a shelter, a domestic violence shelter. Kids have no shoes. It's a really, really sad um, situation. So we try to do our best to help them. Do you work on it every day? Is it something that you say, okay, now I realize your work schedule may be changing now. So that, that, you know, I guess you'll figure that out over time. Right. But basically... Basically, do you wake up in the morning and you say, okay, my job, quote unquote, is for Bronx, and then you either make phone calls or you do something with it, or is it more like, well, I'll fit it in between my other responsibilities? I mean, you know, when you have a job, right, it's a certain schedule, um, and, you know, if you're good at your job, you, or other things happen, you work outside your schedule, but uh, prior to this, I would do mostly for Bronx in the morning before I would go into work. Just about every day? Monday Monday to Friday? I can't say no. Monday through Monday. I can't say no. People message me, email me. I have this, I have that. Can you redirect it? Where do I drop it off? And then I have to contact the shelters and I make that connection. It's just constant. And I don't look at it as a job. I look at it. It's almost, for me, it's a goal. Like, it's a little... I like making that connection. It's like a win, you know? Like... It's fun. It's a passion. You know, um, uh, it was like Ralph Waldo Emerson, I know from my English major days, talked about a stream that f- that flows through your mind and th- is your constant thing. And for you, Four Bronx and doing this work is on that stream. And you, can, you think about it all the time. It comes into your mind. You wake up and say, gee, what can I do for this thing? And, and you do it. The thing also is that the Four Bronx, and I think people don't know this, and this is actually my favorite thing to speak about about Four Bronx. As many of us know, growing up, if you're not famous, if you're not rich, if you, you know, which is most of us, when a person passes away, it's like almost they never existed. And they existed to their loved ones, but it's like they didn't make an impact. And this is so true of many people here in the Bronx. When my grandmother passed away, she was my everything. And sorry, I'm getting emotional. She died say, in my arms. I see that, hear that in your voice. She died in my arms the morning after oh, I showed her my engagement ring. So she had cancer. She didn't tell us. And um, how old was she? She was 78, and uh, very, very old school Irish, and did not, you know, cancer is not something you speak about. And um, both my grandmothers actually died from breast cancer. And so for old school, especially when you have cancer in the breast or any sort of area like that, it's embarrassing and people don't speak about it. Um, I'm at very high risk for cancer myself, breast cancer, and I encourage everyone to please get checked. Go do your mammograms and your pre-screenings. It's not comfortable. Nobody wants to do it, but, you know, please do it because 
I firsthand have seen the effects of breast cancer on people. How, how long ago was it? She died in 2017. So, so there was enough technology if it's early detection, there was, et cetera. There was. Um, but, you know, her husband fell ill and she found out she had breast cancer the same time he, he had a stroke. And he had a stroke and a massive, massive stroke and heart attack. Um, and How long before that? Two years before, 2015. So she got diagnosed when he, you know, he was never coming home. And I remember when a couple is together for so long, when he had that stroke, she was making him his tea and his dinner. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, he's not, Pop's not coming home. And she didn't understand. And when you're together for over 60 years like that, you know, so she passed away first. And then he passed away um, three months later. Um, and he wasn't coherent at all. But um, the night before he passed, he told me that he saw her. And we didn't even tell him that she had passed so that she was there. And, should he, you know, should he go? And we were like, yeah, you know, go. And, the, and then that was it. The, uh, her influence on your life can't be overstated because um, the Four Bronx is a whether you stay whether you say it this way or not is a tribute to her because it definitely it, is. It, it comes out of it, it comes out of your youth and then of course into the modern for me like you can't forget where you came from no matter how much you succeed I'm sorry I'm just like you know I miss my we all have someone we miss so dearly but um you know, I wanted to name this project after her because I wanted her legacy to live on. I wanted to make sure that her life mattered. And so her name was Alice, and I wanted to name it Alice. And, you know, I was doing these things, but it sounded too feminine. It wasn't really, when you name something like that, it kind of limits what you can do. And um, it gets typecast. Right. And so I'm like, what am I trying to do here? And I'm like, I'm trying to help the Bronx. So, you know, I had the paper, I had all these words and, you know, all these things. And have, you, have you seen, aside from you run a good event and it goes well, or you do a good podcast and right. it goes well, have you seen results of some sort? Or I mean, I realize we would all love to change the world and we're not able to do that in one fell swoop. But have you seen little pockets of place or, I've or seen maybe, po- maybe define what... I'm assuming there is good things that have happened. Define what those are. They are. But to go back to that question prior, um, Mm -hmm. I had a a whole list of words out, and I'm like, what am I going to name this thing? I need a name. It can't be just Uh, Laura. Okay. can't be, I need a name. So I'm like, what matters to me? I grew up on 238th. You know, I couldn't name it after her. Uh, You know, their last name, my last name. I didn't know what to name it. So I'm like, I'm for the Bronx. Like, I want to help the Bronx. I'm for the Bronx. So... My favorite part of this entire thing, and I like to credit myself as being a little creative, four Bronx is the number four and Bronx. And the four and the B are together in this one word. I grew up with my grandparents in apartment 4B. Wow. So that's where the 4B and the four Bronx comes from. Um, and it's just perfect. It's just perfect. It's general. Well, that's pretty cool. And you wouldn't know that unless I told no, you. Well, that's why we're here. Um, and... You know, a lot of people, they, they like even the name of my TV show, Bronx Talk, right. is one word with a capital T. So you do that. Um, I, I'll just mention that I grew up in 2F. I don't think I'm going to use that. <laughs> I don't give 2Fs, right? No. <laughs> but, uh, but the 4B does work. 4 Bronx. So shout out. I realize I'm doing the interviewing, but that was a little bit of. Shout out to my grandmother. I hope that you are proud wherever you are and um, your legacy lives on through my work. I do see pockets of success in the four Bronx. I see major pockets. Um, First of all, I have narrowed myself down. We do outreach. Whoever reaches out to us, we are more than happy to help. We have so many community partners that we work with. Um, Hebrew Institute of Riverdale is a major, major uh, community partner of four Bronx. And when you say they help out and are partner, you refer people to them? So people reach out to me. People have always had these events where they raise money, where they do co-drives, all this stuff. The problem is it is hard to find a place to give it to because you think, okay, it's so easy to drive into a, a shelter and just give it. It's really not because they don't accept things that they don't know where it's coming from, right? Because there's a lot of evil, mean people out there. So, you know, there are people who would drop off food to a shelter and like 
you know, try L- to hurt l- them. Lace the food. No, seriously. Like, uh, there's a I lot of crazy they people. They would lace it with something. Um, yeah. And so, like, a lot of places where people don't realize, they don't, you know, another thing, when you're donating furniture and clothing, bed bugs is a huge issue. And they can't. you can't just go to a shelter and drop off this. Like, you, it's a process. They have to, you have to fill something out. And, and for food, that's why they, be, they say canned food is preferred food, because yes. you don't you just don't know and I just want to from. shout out to the Friendly Fridge is an amazing community organization shout out to Selma and Sarah absolutely and it's funny you say that amazing. because as soon as I was talking about the dropping off of food that's in my mind I pictured them I believe they're looking for space so they anybody, found it they did oh they did. it's going to be on 242nd street around the corner behind Gordo's Smash and Chop so if you drive by there now you'll see the fridge and they're going to be painting it and that's I'm, their I'm trying to think. Two forty. You know the corner where the top, the the Arabic food place was, and it went out of business. Uh, going up to the left toward Manhattan College. Right. It's going to be right around there. Wow. But Sarah, Sarah and I'm Selma, it's that. it's important to say this because you, I come across a lot of people who do this type of work, and unfortunately, you meet people who, it's not for the love of doing it. There's an agenda. So when you meet people who genuinely do this to do it, it's very refreshing. And I can say that Sarah and Selma are two of those people. They just, you know. They have to do it. And people don't realize we do not get paid for this. I have not gotten paid. This is something that I do because it's a passion of mine and I enjoy doing it. Um, But this is like extracurricular stuff that's turned into a major project. And I have seen pockets of success because the shelters now, the directors reach out to me directly. Hey, we just had a woman and uh, two kids move in. They have no clothes. Here are the sizes. And I put out my word and I get people this connection. And there's a, a mom in Riverdale. Oh, my daughter's size six and my son is size 2T and I want to get rid of this stuff. Here you go. And the beauty of it is we are a 501c3. So when you donate to us, um, we can provide a tax form for you know, for your taxes, we have cash donations and non-cash donations. So it's just nice, like everything can be documented. Do, and Do you think about um, how you emerged from maybe not the prettiest situation, not the worst situation it sounded like, but not the prettiest, and what helped you emerge? And then you say, well, I had this, so if I could figure out how to navigate my way to, you know, health and, and you know, pr- right. productivity, uh, maybe I could teach somebody or help somebody else get to that point in that way. Do you see, do you right. see it like that? I mean, uh, I don't know if you... Or maybe maybe you never thought I of it like I didn't that. think of it, but you know, you will agree with me. For me, the people of the Bronx are the most resilient uh-huh. people. Like, we, they just can't get rid of us. Like, you know, we're just so strong and so resilient. And, and everybody has a story. Everybody I, I, has a story. You and I were here in this room, and we heard everybody. We went around the room to community we people. We did Breaking Bread, Building Bonds. That's right. We had the first one here in, in the Bronx. In the Bronx. Yeah. It was here in, in, at The KLBC. Mayor's Initiative, yes. And every single person including Angie, our engineer, had a really interesting, compelling story of how they emerged after something, whatever it was. Yeah, Yeah, so, and I think that was confirmation for me that this podcast is the right thing to do and it's I find this even though I'm speaking to other people this is like my therapy you know I enjoy this it's something for me to look forward to every week and learning stories you know as a bartender I hear stories anyway so it's nice to document them and share them with the community you're preaching to the choir about the value of media and I'll just interject for myself a lot of people don't know when I was younger and learning about radio and starting in radio um, I always thought a pure form of it would be, now I grew up in Van Cortland Village, would be to have a small little radio station so that people, and, and because in, that, in those days it was a, a Jewish community right. and all that, that we would do Yiddish programming and do all that kind of stuff. And of course then BronxNet happened and, and of course I moved toward that. But that is what this um, endeavor that you've created here, this podcast is all about, is using media for good exactly and listen is this Z100 over here absolutely not but people do <laughs> listen no but people do listen and, and they learn and you know I don't care I really really don't care if it's five people listening 
those five people listened and they learned something that they didn't know before. Um, I don't really, you know, I have people on here that are very, you know, uh, influential and, and affluent and things like that. I want to know the story of the lady who lives in apartment 2C. You know what I mean? Like, that's I what I exactly grew up with. I what you mean. I can tell you every unit in that building that I grew up with, you know, in 1994, who lived in each of those apartments. Those are the stories that I, you know, so if you have a story, please contact me, laura 4 at gmail.com. Do you view the geographic area that it has, it should be in a certain area? So, I mean, there's, you know, 1.4 you know, million people. Being here. with KRVC, um, you know, we are... KRVC is Kingsbridge, Riverdale, Van Cortland. We cover Spite and Dival, Marble Hill, Woodlawn. It's a whole thing. So I don't really, um, you know, if anybody wants to come on and tell their story from the Bronx, I don't say no because I try to be as inclusive as I can. Um, but I just want to, you know, I like our neighborhood has such so many characters. I mean, characters that the most like Hollywood producer could not make up these characters so it's do, like do, do you think Riverdale um, gets stigmatized well I shouldn't even say it that way Riverdale does get stigmatized and um, I think uh, because this is me because it's connected to other communities to Kingsbridge then Cortland um, even Norwood to some degree it's a lot more culturally diverse than people give it credit to so it has gotten a lot more diverse since I was a kid. I can tell you that. Um, Although you, like me, you didn't live in Riverdale. You were really, that's more Kingsbridge. Well, I did grow up in Kingsbridge, but I did, you know, I was in Riverdale. My mother always worked in Riverdale, um, you know, always came here for anything. You know, I was, I did softball in Riverdale, North Riverdale League. And I, you know, I made my way. I made my rounds. Um and I, you know, shout out, my, I used to love on a special occasion, it's like the big thing, getting my hair done at Rumors Salon. I don't know if you remember that. I, I don't. It was uh, where Studio Delage is now. That was an amazing salon. But, um, sorry, what was the I, question? I, like, I got I, lost. No, I, I'm thinking about I, Rumors. I like that you asked if I knew where I got my hair done. I mean, well, I, I, mean went to the I was went to the barbershop down the block. But you're from here. You should know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, shout out to Rumors. It's no I longer here. I two brothers, so, you know. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. What was the question now? I got sidetracked. Uh, um... Uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, uh, just about the the, the stigma nature, and the, the stigma. stigma. Yeah, the stigma of Riverdale. I think that people, some of it's earned. People I mean, think, let's be real. People think uh, people from that are not from here think that Riverdale is a very very wealthy place, and there are parts well, of Riverdale that are very very wealthy. Are yes, but the majority of people are working class. Um, you know, they're more middle than working. You really think? I middle class, working like, like class. Where? Like, like, um, even uh, like, so we're on uh, what? Two thirty six. Two thirty six. Um, like where? In, in, in yeah, in, I mean, there are people struggling here. There definitely is people. I mean, there's people. You see it. There's people that reach out to me that live in Riverdale, anonymously, and you know, and and that's another thing. If anybody ever needs help, and you reach out to me, I will never ever say that you came to me looking for help. How should but people reach out to you? My email is laura, L-A-U-R-A, the number four, bronx, at gmail.com. But, you know, I do have people from North Riverdale. I have people from South Riverdale, from Kingsbridge. I need help. And this is like a lot of behind-the-scenes things, and we do our best to get them help. It, it's, on one level, surprising, and it's sad that... Um, uh, that that the, the image of Riverdale is one thing, and you say there are people that need help, and you can document that they need Abs help because you hear it absolutely. all the time. Absolutely, like you and, know, and and so let, let me just add: if yeah. Riverdale needs help, think about all the other communities that don't have some of the affluence that is. In I Riverdale. mean, you know, food Amazing. insecurity is major. I mean, think of now everything: the price of inflation and everything, the groceries. Yeah. How are older people surviving? They're on a very fixed income. And, you know, when that can of beans goes from 79 cents to 239, and you have an 85-year-old woman who's on a fixed income, lives alone, that is, that's some real stuff. 
And people don't realize that. that that's an email to um, Laura4Bronx at gmail.com. That's what that is. No, but you know what I mean? Like, I see people. I see people in the supermarket, and they're really struggling. Um, just to uh, shift gears just a little bit, um, are you married? I am you married. About and, um, shout out to Andrew for dealing with shout this. Shout out to Andrew. <laughs> uh, does he complain about, well, gee, you're doing all this stuff? and you know? Andrew is a man who loves a... He loves me because I take charge, and he loves that. He loves that about me, and he loves that I'm following what makes me happy and my passion. And he does share, he does share me with people because I'm always working and I'm always on, and he just does nothing but support it. Um, kids? No kids? No kids. No kids. A cat. Milo. <laughs> Do you go to the vet next door? I go to the vet, yes. So uh, Milo is a patient of Dr. Freed, who is like the nicest doctor, the nicest person ever. And Milo is a long-haired cat, so he's a Persian munchkin mix, which I love, but he has long hair. So the only one who can deal with that hair, I have to bring him to Universal Pet Grooming on Mashalu. She, you know, I've been, I followed her. She used to be a Cross Bronx pet shop. That woman cares so much about those animals, it's unbelievable. So I trust her 100% with my fur baby. Uh, And um, so you've laid out what you have done with Four Bronx and, you know, what the objectives are. Uh, Do you see it almost in a corporate vision that, well, we're at this place now, we'll go here next, and then we're ultimately, you know, if I had my dream, what it would be, are we we at a point, or is the daily job of doing it so challenging and so difficult and so important that it's hard to have that long range? It's very challenging, it is very difficult, but... I am not alone in this. Um, you know, I am the face of this, but there is a team of people behind me that help me accomplish this. Um, I definitely want to shout out, I don't think a lot of people realize this, uh, Angie Rivera, who is a North Riverdale resident, has, I don't think Four Bronx would be where it is without her. Um, so shout she, out to she her. Is, she is in the room. She and she's is engineering. literally engineering she this. She doesn't want to say anything. She does balloons for all the events. I mean, you name it, she does it. Um, you know, restaurant week, she's out cutting the, you know, putting the red tape and cutting it with all the restaurants and pride and all that stuff. And I couldn't do it without her. So shout I, out to Angie. I'm, I'm so tempted to say. No, tempt, move, I, I love it. Move, move over and let's let her talk, but she don't want to do she that. She doesn't want to talk. She's shy. So that. I have to talk for her. Uh, apparently. Um, but you know, the other part wait, of this. Wait, wait, wait. Just say hello so people know you're here. Hi, guys. All right. <laughs> We're not talking about imaginary people. Um, the other part of this, too, is like, you know, and I'm very passionate about this, and I have gotten a lot of um, negative, uh, what is it called? Kickback for this? Feedback. Feedback. I, we've all experienced in our life a point in time, or maybe we're experiencing it now, where we did not fit in. We were not accepted by somebody or some group, and we've all experienced it, whether it's for the color of our skin, for our religion, for our sexual orientation. We've all, would you agree we've all experienced that? I am sitting here, if you remember what my comments were when we did that um, that event here, uh, it was all about, um, you know, somebody looking down at me for kind of being who I was, For frankly, for not making Bronx science and going to Dewey Clinton High School, right. which was kind of, it wasn't traumatic for me because I thought it was ridiculous, right. but it underscored the fact that um, you're, you're alone at some point. You're you know? alone at some point. And I, and I tell you, growing up, I was an overweight kid. Okay. Like, you know, um, went to, I went to Catholic school. I got the highest grades. I got scholarships. Wow. What school? I went to visitation that they so, they just Whoa, demolished. That's, that's another story. Um, but, uh, my mother sang in that church for 30 years. And because of that, the priest, the Monsignor gave her a major tuition break. And I was taught very early, you have to study for you to continue this, you have to get good grades. So that's what I did. I actually scored the highest on my entry level for high school wow. there in eighth grade. Good for you. Um, and then just went from there. So, you know, it's just, and what, I don't know. What is very interesting to me, uh-huh. and certainly as somebody who grew up in Van Cortland Village and went to school all around the reservoir, um, you went to church right around the block 
from where you lived. Right? Yes, yes. On Review Place. Well, my mother sang there, so I would be I reading, reading, doing homework in the church that, pews. That's right. And yeah. then you also went to school there. I went to school there. Um, there is a certain amount of pride, natural pride, that comes out of that. And I know it because I live in the same neighborhood. And trust me, it's not, it's, there's not a lot of pride when you pass that place and there's trees and they demolished it. And I oh, you're talking about now. That's I crazy. wanted to go in there so bad and steal a brick. I wanted a brick from the church. Because to see your church, that community space, there's get knocked down. There's still no debris there that you can I, So I wanted to sneak in and take a, and I don't, please don't steal. Shout out to the 50th precinct. But I wanted a brick. <laughs> I wanted a brick, and my husband's like, you're literally going to get arrested, and you're going to get asbestos. Like, just don't do that. But but I just wanted this piece, because, like, asbestos is probably, because this is a piece of me. Like, my inspiration for this community work, you know where it comes from? From that church? When I was going through the hardest times as a child, like, I dealt with, you know, a father who, mental illness, before we even spoke about mental illness, who was very taboo. PTSD, you know, he was in and out of homelessness. Where, where did he serve? Vietnam? No, he was in a, he's in the Marine, he was in the Marine Corps during the 80s. He did some undocumented um, uh, trips to Somalia mm-hmm. and Africa and different places there and he, he lives with this. Uh, but go back, I, I, I anyway, interrupted you. No, no, that. it's yeah. okay, it's okay. So, um, the visitation PTA where I went to school. This was my escape as a child. Because on the week... The PTA, the parent parent, teachers... Even though you were a child. You know, a child. There has never been, and I have met so many people, and I shout out to everyone, all the PTAs, this group of women from Visitation, and I'm talking 1995 to 2004, they were rock stars. And, you know, I used to have to go to the VA in Montrose to visit my father. He was in a, a psychiatric facility. And you think that's a good feeling, driving after my mother finished singing church and, you know, all these jobs. And uh, I'm, I'm, these events kept me going. I'm focused on the family structure. For that to happen and for the society structure, I remember when I was growing up, which was before you were, um, you know, we had after-school centers. The parents would play volleyball at Dewood Clinton High School because they had a night center for parents. And the family structures were stronger. For you to have that kind of PTA, I would think that families were a little less fragmented than they are now. Um, perhaps, Am I wrong? Perhaps a little bit, but there were a lot of single-parent kids um, in that school. And that was the first place I grew up. I had the beauty of growing up in a diverse uh, school. So I was exposed to other cultures very, very early and other languages and, you know, I thought it was amazing. Like, here I am, my grandparents are Irish. I became friends with this girl from Dominican Republic and here I am eating a roast con pollo. I'm like, this is delicious. And then I go back to my grandmother. I had a roast con pollo and she's like, what? Like in her Irish accent. accent. So I'm like, let's go to Molly Cohen. She's like, I don't know where you want to go, but we'll go. But, um, you know, this really made me who I am. So, big shout out. They were rock stars. And, and I, I want to just add for a general thing then for parents and anybody else listening to us, um, just think of the value of that, of, of that participation and what it meant to you and what I'm sure it meant to so many other people. And I, um, and I just want to say that... Uh, now I'm like freezing because it's like a mo- I'm not used to talking about me like this. Um, this is great. It's like therapy. Gary Axelbank, you are like Dr. Yes, Phil. I, that's right. I'm Dr. Gary. But anyway, so we've all felt in our life a, a time or a point where we didn't fit in. And that's why I am so passionate. I get a lot of kickback about this. I am so passionate about doing my part to create a more inclusive and diverse community. I think we need a lot of work. I think there's a lot of people here who are open to this idea, but I have met so many people who are not. And you gotta understand something. My name is Laura Levine, okay? Levine is a Jewish name, my father is Jewish. I was wondering about that. My mother is Irish, so cult, you know, culturally I identify more as Irish. That was my grandparents, um, they were from Tipperary. And, small world yes my grandfather was a hurler so that's why he was in this country you know who he played with on that I, on a world hurling team they I went no idea. everywhere Fiji Islands New Zealand everywhere 
he was on the same team as Terry Connaughton of Riverdale Steakhouse. Wow. And he was on the same team as uh, the O'Briens on Mashaloo Avenue. Uh um, his brother, Michael O'Brien's brother. They travel the world together and... Talk about a small world. And Connell O'Brien, who's the, the owner now, the youngest O'Brien, is my dearest friend. And at my wedding in Ireland, he was my bridesman. So, Isn't that something? So so they came to the neighborhood, the, this Kings Ridge, Van Cortland, Riverdale neighborhood, and settled together? Not together. They were on the, but, sa- they but, were on the but, same but team. They came, but they came and... and they, around the same time, yeah. And But I'm just saying, and this is how the word that's misunderstood, ghettos are created because people come in and they live together and they right. have they had similar objectives uh, professionally. They open right. restaurants. And when I see Terry Connaughton, and shout out to the steakhouse, but when I see him, this is senior, Terry Connaughton Sr., it's like my grandfather, you know, it's like you can't find, you know, they're just from like the same, you know, like, and it's it's very homey for me. He's such a nice man, and, and there's such an old establishment that's been here for years and years, so it's uh, great. What, what about, um, we, we both passed over it very quickly, a visitation now. Okay. Uh, the, the fact that it was taken down, uh, there's a lot of discussion that there's going to be, you know, um, one-room homes, single-person single homes instead of families. Um, I'm very concerned, just You're as concerned? somebody in the neighborhood, yeah. I mean, I don't know the exact plans yet. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I hear speculation about shelters popping up in North Riverdale about there. Oh, yeah, low it's not, it's not it's the nature income of house. the shelter. It's the fact that families need homes, and and to build housing that doesn't serve that need uh, uh, concerns me because we're still going to have families having. Pro- you know what I mean? It, right. It's just a, you have all that space. Why not do more with it? Well, I heard it's going to be a school as well. And a school as well. Yeah. So you're going to have with no school. You're going to have hens housing for one bedroom housing and then you're going to have a school. So wouldn't it make more sense uh, to have family know, units so the kids could go to school? You maybe defined it better than I did, I don't but know. yeah, that's my concern. I don't know. Um, if anybody's ever walking by, can you please get a brick for me? Ba- <laughs> back to um, my original question about long term and whether you see uh, you know the growth of this or because you're so uh, it, dealing with it every day is, is a full-time job. Uh, is there vision? Um, do you say, gee, this is what I'd love to do with it? This is, the vi- yeah. You know, I want to expand this. Um, the, you know, I'm going to be a, applying for grants. and Expand how? I'm going to expand. I need, right now, we are just running purely on donations, private donations. I want to really dive into this grant writing and all these things that I believe KRVC can assist me with because there is money out there for for this to work and for this to be as efficient as it needs to be. Would you do things like um, collect clothes and put up, you know, you'd need a franchise of some kind to do it, but to put stands uh, like there was one outside the Riverdale Temple where the people drop off clothes, that kind um, of, almost like a friendly fridge. We do that, that, so I, I have... You already do that. I have spots in the neighborhood. We stop for the summer, but I do bring the truck around and people do throw, you know, they, they load it up. You, you pay for that truck? Truck? It's a KRVC truck. It's the a ten foot box truck. truck. Right, I so, know that truck. Okay. Yeah, so it goes around. We did a Skyview collection, and then I redirected. I just literally drive into the shelters, open the back of it, and I let the women choose what their kids are going to wear. Because you have to have some dignity in this too. You can't just say, "Here's a bag of clothes. This is what you're wearing." I want them to have that shopping experience, even though it's all free. But you know, pick what you want. You're, you know, it's dignity. I thought that the event that was at the Riverdale Sunday Market where they had um, they, they uh, people, it, there were just tables and tables. And I was like, wow, where'd you get all these clothes? And the answer was uh, people people came by and they were yeah, clothes. Yeah, everyone has clothes. And there was a lot of real sharing. I mean, it was, right. it was, it was just what you I mean, described. you know, my dream is, I do, it's just constant. And I don't think people understand, like, it's a real pain in the neck, and I'm blessed to have this truck, but when you have commercial plates, 
and you are going to the Bronx. The major thoroughfare of the Bronx is the Mashaloo Parkway, right? Bronx River Parkway, Grand Concourse. Well, I don't think you can have trucks. You in can't the Bronx have a right? truck yeah, in right. any of these places. Even on Mashaloo Parkway. No, oh, any wow. parkways. So it's really a song and a dance that would take you ten minutes to get somewhere, and then you got double parked cars, one way streets. I mean, I my future for this is to do this and to hire a driver. I would love to hire a driver to do these, to assist me in these drop-offs. I mean, it's... Like somebody who really knows how to drive a truck. Yeah. Um, What's funny um, that you say that about the trucks, because as somebody who drives around our neighborhood and in and out of, you know, the Bronx, um, I always say, what is this truck doing here? And I'm always saying, this truck should not be on this block at this particular time. So now I have a little more sympathy for the truckers who are trying to I'm a truck driver. I guess I have rights to curse like a truck driver. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'll see me. Um, Yeah, truck driver. I'm just like, you know... It's funny, though, because you're driving this truck with your logo slapped on it. So, yeah, so, so like, everybody knows who you are. Everyone knows. It's like, so, so you'd like to get a driver, maybe another truck. You could do more stuff. Right? Yeah, you know, we do the small business spotlights here in the community. These are all um, people that we have to pay, the videographers, the photographers. Um, it gives a lot of local people an opportunity to make some money. Um, and so just like grants for that, you know? How, um, how long have you been doing this podcast? And, uh, you know, has, has it been what you were hoping it would be? Uh, are you doing, I mean, we're doing more today. Today is totally different from the others. But just uh, what's the vision of this vehicle? This vehicle. Make, so uh, the Four Bronx Community, statements. it's TEA, like a cup of tea podcast. It's for people to tell their story, um, and I'm so proud of this. This is actually my favorite part of everything besides the relocation. And how many have you done? This is episode number 15. 15. And I think we've done it in two months, right, Ange? Mm -hmm. Two months we've done this? So, um, you know, you just see people release, and it's 15 in two months is more... We're insane. that's, That's like two a week. Yeah, like we're, we're crazy. We, we do it on Friday mornings, um, and um, we do two like back-to-back, and then we post one a week. So the ones that you're seeing that we posted were from like a month ago. Okay. So it's just you meet, you put the word out. We had an author of a, a poetry book for 9-11. Her name is Beth Morris. She lives in Skyview. Who would have known? I didn't know that there was an author. She was here telling her story about 9-11 and Ground Zero. I met you. You know, um, I, uh, I mean, this is what I've been doing for all my years, and it's endless. Endless. I can just tell you it's endless. And I love you're it. really essentially dealing with this neighborhood. I mean, I, my, my own work, I deal with the whole Bronx. It's every single stone you unter- you lift up. There's something underneath it that is worth telling, and um, it's why you know I, I've done 1,400 shows. You say you did 15. I'm thinking about 1,400. And so, um, uh, I, I describe the Bronx as this, um, uh, as as um, undiscovered territory. And I just want to say, you know, I want to say this as well. I get a lot of kickback for pride, pushback. Pride is my proudest moment because... Pride as... as Riverdale Pride. Riverdale Pride. And I started this with Mike Gaber. Oh, I didn't know you started it. I did. That's my... That's our event. And this year, we doubled in attendance since the first year. And it was an event. And anybody who was there would agree. It was an event filled with love. Where was it? Riverdale Neighborhood House. They uh, provide us with the space to do this. Um... You know, there are people who don't agree with me um, for doing that, but, but, but I, because of the nature of pride and supporting the nature of pride and supporting pride, mine is hey, not. Hey, no, I, I don't even want to hear it. My pride is not. You know, what we do here in Riverdale, what we do here is not controversial. It's not risque. It's not sexual. It is just a day to celebrate members of our community. And I just want to tell people, there are people in this community, you know, not just the LGBTQ plus community. There are people of color. There are so many people who don't feel that they belong here. And they're really sad. And we cannot call ourselves... We cannot call ourselves a community until we accept... Everybody. You you hear stories of people not being treated well? Of course. I see it firsthand. 
You have to understand something. Laura Levine, right? But now I got married. I'm Laura Pinedo. So you don't know. I have a, I could be a Latina. I could be Jewish. You don't know. So I hear, I speak fluent Spanish and I hear a lot of things and I see a lot of things, but there's so much more love. Someone told me something um, the other day and it, it, it resonates with me. You can't live your life. You may feel that everyone hates you or they're against you. They're the loudest, but they're not the majority. And, you know, there are people who can't stand me. They think that I do this to seek attention or I'm running for office or anything like that. And that's not the case. And they don't really know who I am. So I think that's a major misconception. What, what, um, what, what things about you that uh, people don't know that... that it's like, wow, Laura is this or does this. So I am a singer. Ah. I do sing. I like Broadway, cabaret, Wanna standards. Do a, do a little number for My us voice here? is very raspy because I was actually at the Riverdale Steakhouse last night singing like <laughs> singing like Barbara Streisand. No, but um Karaoke? Uh, you did karaoke. I did yeah, no, so I So would you sing for us sing anything you want? <clears throat> Uh, oh my god, my voice is so raspy. When we do the drumming, I'll do the drumming. And I will always love you. Yeah, so I sing. I pro- that I was to, lovely. I love to promote business. I'm raspy. But I love uh, I love the standards, Liza Minnelli. Where did you learn to sing? Uh, there was a place in Riverdale. It was called Performers Unlimited. And uh, that woman that ran that, her name was Kendall Standish, she was, uh, she still is a major inspiration to me. It's really why I have this they personality. Still, they still do? It, it's still, no, it's, no, she lives in South Carolina now, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, very and major, so that, 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 very it, major inspiration to me. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. People, people don't realize, you may not think, there are people that have touched me and just really random people and places that... They may have not thought it was that important, but it was. Name one. You know, so. Name one. I grew up with a girl named Evelyn, and I went to school with her. We don't speak anymore. You know, we just, you lose content. This is grade school. We do get older. It's her mother true. was from Ecuador. Her name was Lo- Laura or Laura. We had the same name. And when I was going through this with my, you know, I, I just really love going to their house because she would like it would be home cooking you know like it was just she would do my hair she would braid my hair the mother how old were you maybe seven or eight and you know it was really nice and she lived down she lived in um, the amalgamated and uh, just like nice like that's something that stands out Kendall uh, the singing lady pulled me aside she knew that I what I was going through and she said you can do anything you want anything you want you can do so then she took me down to Don't Tell Mama. It's a cabaret spot downtown. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And I was singing with drag queens at six years old. Wow. They dressed me up as Judy Garland, and I would perform with them on stage. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've recorded a song for Barney. I've had a crazy little life. Crazy uh, little life. It, 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 it is crazy. I crazy. just keep focusing in my mind on all the influences you had that put you in this place that you are now as opposed to maybe other people who don't have those influences don't get there my dad uh my most satisfying is when my father tells me how proud he is of me he lives in massachusetts um in a home for there's a few vets living there um off-site and he says how proud and then he calls me he goes oh i see you did a veterans lunch today and you had the bus of veterans and i'm so proud of you he's like but you think you could buy your dad a pizza pie for me and the boys tonight too? Like, <laughs> he's like, I hope I'm your favorite veteran. I'm like, you are, you know. Uh, and so, uh, so what else? So you sing. That was one thing. I don't drink really, only on occasion. I, I like a really nice martini. Um, my favorite cocktail is a lychee martini. Right, but so once it, every six months, I have a drink. That's really? it. I don't smoke. My thing that I just can't kick and it's the worst thing I could possibly do. All right, wait, drum roll, please. I am addicted to Coca-Cola. Not diet. Really? Regular Coca-Cola. I don't drink coffee. If I don't have that Coca-Cola, I am irritable. All right, so you go into the deli. No, no. Listen to me. If you you go into the deli and all they have is a Pepsi. I won't buy it. You won't buy it. I would walk three blocks to get a Coke. And... (laughs) 
the best well, the best things go better with the best so. soda and i'm sorry if you're a soda drinker you understand nothing hits you like a coca-cola from mcdonald's mcdonald's has the best soda and do you know why <laughs> their soda comes in metal barrels not in plastic bags like everywhere else uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm rarely speechless. I'm like shaking. I need me... a soda right now. <laughs> Angie, the heck with the engineering. Get out there. Get her. The deli is right next to her. That, that's it. That's I know. It's remarkable. so bad. It's so bad. It's really, it's like a cigarette habit. That's... And I chew gum like, gum is my. Gum, really? I, you always see me chewing gum. It's like a, a coping technique. Wrigley's? I um, I like anything. I don't really Trident. care. But it has to be spearmint. Has to be spirit. has to be green, yeah. Has to be green. So well, then I guess I'm wearing the you're right wearing color the right shirt. Color. Yeah. Um, and um, in in terms of um, family, you don't want to have kids. Are we allowed to ask that question? Um. Well, I think you should never ask a woman this because there are women who are. I did ask you how old you are. There's women who are going through um, problems conceiving. I'm not one of them. I, I then I no, 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 I'm kidding. Um, maybe down the future, but I, I definitely want to find my groundings a little bit better before I take that on. I get the sense that you're so focused on this to be distracted by something obviously so... If it happens, it happens. You know, but my husband's not really... We're both kind of on the same page. What does he do for a living? He is a fire and life safety director. A fire and life saving director. So basically... not a firefighter. Not a firefighter. But after 9-11... It became mandated. And if I'm using the wrong word, I apologize. But basically, high-rises in, in Manhattan need to have this team of people or this person. He's an FLSD. So basically, their job is to make sure that all the fire alarms are working correctly. Uh. He's, he's licensed by FDNY. He works with them. Um, and how to get the most people out in the shortest amount of time they have to come up with like different scenarios if god forbid there is another terrorist attack fires you know elevator someone gets stuck in the elevator so they, he works for the city or with the city he works with kind. the city he wow. has private clients Wow. So, yeah. So, in other words if somebody has a building or something he works and consults with them. Right. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah, work. and he is the complete opposite of me. I couldn't get him on here. He doesn't talk. Like, you know, he talks to us, but he was. This is not his deal. But it's your deal. Uh, you know, we. You had mentioned uh, before we got started. Um, you know, you had been at BronxNet. It's. You could do more with this, probably. I would love to. I would love yeah. getting someone in this community whose story is not out there made available to people you know and uh, well that's what you're already doing I think the small businesses need a push I think you know I see on these community groups and shout out to the moderators they have such a task on their hands the moderators of of the Riverdale Facebook groups I think you know sometimes it is not so nice and it's not so positive and people don't understand you post something about a business, 98% of the time, it can be rectified by speaking to that business, not posting anonymously and completely like crapping on a business. Like, so if I open a pizzeria, right? And let's say there's ABC Pizza down the street. I can anonymously post and say, I went to ABC Pizza. I saw a fly on the wall there. They're not clean. They're so nasty. And there's actually people who comment, okay, I'm no longer going there without contacting. Oh, absolutely. And I feel there's some people in this neighborhood that their main objective is to literally, what are you trying to do? Do you want all the small businesses to close? I don't understand this. Empty storefronts? That, you know, uh, I don't get it. So, I, which actually raises another very important question, which you are um, certainly well qualified to answer. Um, what are the problems small businesses have here? We're, we're sitting here right around the corner from Riverdale Avenue. There's also Johnson Avenue. Uh, there's, of course, in North Riverdale. Um, what, what are the issues that they have, or are they doing well? And just saying, well, what you know, that's why we're I can still really here. speak about the restaurants because I know most of these owners. Um, Fair enough. And I think that there just needs to be a little bit more support from the community to go and frequent because 
it's tough. The prices of things are astronomical. You think you go to the supermarket, it's expensive. I mean, Restaurant Depot is through the roof. Things Restaurant Restaurant Depot is like Costco on steroids for restaurants. Oh, really? Um, you know, it's a you get your main deliveries from like Cisco or US Foods, but Restaurant Depot is in Mount Vernon or Hunts Point and you go there and it's like Costco but for restaurants. Huge things. Did, did we, you know, I'm, I, I hadn't. This would be a long this. podcast. Just let it roll. Oh, yeah. Are we too long? It's okay. I, I mean, I, Keep going. we can stop anything. There's no rules here. We make the rules. So go yeah. ahead. Um, do, um, uh, did we lose anything when we lost the Bronx Terminal Market? Because that's where a lot of the um, local and, and ethnic delis used to get there. Or, or is that. Is that pre your involvement? That's pre my. I just know the Bronx Terminal Market is the shopping complex by Yankee Stadium now. So yes, that's, well, I, that's before. It my used to. It, you, when you say it, it's a restaurant depot, that's it was where, like a Hunts Point where, kind or of. where delis used to go, and, and especially ethnic delis. I can't would go. answer on that. I do okay. know that Restaurant Depot has kosher, halal, all that stuff. They're very um, right. diverse in there. But you're a business owner, right? And you wake up in the morning. You got to go to Restaurant Depot, lug all this stuff to the restaurant. You're already exhausted, sweating. You're over it. You got to open up. And then it's just, you know, the majority of people are so great, but I just don't understand why people are so cruel sometimes to businesses. You know, like just Well, what I don't understand... Is the, is that people don't seem to have the instinct to want to support the businesses in their own communities? In other words, they'll go somewhere else. I mean, you know, there, there are, are so many, many people local who places. do support. There are so many. No, people well, who obviously do. they do. They but don't. you know, I was speaking to a business owner, and the business owner was saying, you know, people like to blame the landlord, right? And yeah, the landlord can charge astronomical prices, but the landlord also can be fair and charge let's say five thousand dollars a month which for a restaurant is not is nothing not a lot of money if people are not coming and supporting that restaurant well of course it doesn't matter what your rent is you're not going to make it you know i i I, i've heard enough bad stories about commercial landlords in this community so i don't i'm just going to let that just let it go but um you know i think people want good comfort food they want good portions that they're able to take something home and it's just the challenge is now, how can the restaurant provide this without going bankrupt? You know, because the prices, your profit is not what it used to be because the increases in the products. And certainly from the restaurant business, and this the, is all business. the expense of running that business, it's insane. finding, you know, even getting qualified waiters. and uh, it's Right. A, even like a plumber, a local plumber I speak to, he was telling me a parts that he used to get are three times the price. So he has to up his prices and now everyone's getting upset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not making what you used to make. So it's just so, so important. We have so many food places. And on the same hand, they need to step up their game and make sure that they deliver. Like, trust me, if you have a place where, you know, they're charging $20 for something, for, I don't know, let's say $20 for a chicken wrap, and you order, like, with honey mustard dressing, <laughs> you know, if you don't get the honey mustard dressing, it's like, I just paid $20 for this wrap. You know what I mean? Like, I know exactly. And what things you mean. happen. I've made mistakes myself uh, on deliveries. You know, as a consumer, uh, sometimes I am amazed, and and I feel hesitant sometimes to ask for stuff because you shouldn't. Like, you shouldn't. That's know. what they're there for. And you know, I also well, you have the right attitude. I've made a mistake does. so many times, Gary. I can't tell you. We know what I do. I pick up the phone. I call the customer, or the customer calls me. I'm so sorry. I forgot your honey mustard. Oh, I can't eat it without the wrap. I have driven my car to places to drop off uh, that sauce. I'm sure. And, you know, just talk to the business. Just don't what? go directly on, on these social media platforms. And, you know, because each business has a story and, and it's someone's dream. And just speak you, to them. You um, uh, have this these microphones and I've always uh, appreciated the fact that I've always had microphones in my uh, adult life. Um, you have many people that you talk to. Uh, you interact with many people. Um, what haven't you said that you say, you know, I'd like to just say this? I think that we can certainly be nicer to each other. I think this hate and this ugliness needs to stop and stop trying to bring everybody down. Um, Because you don't know what people are going through. And it's like a bullying culture at times. 
and I and I see it. It's really it's not nice. And there's so many people who you know. I think if people Can't just we all just get along. If people just like. You know, if there's someone that you don't like that's just miserable all the time and you see them, you're working with them or they're just miserable. Maybe, if, you know, if you go up to them and say, hey, Gary, can I ask you a question? Are you okay? Are, is, is there something I can help you with? You just don't look happy. Is there something I can help you with? She, she's, this is play acting. No, no. I, 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 I look fine. I'm <laughs> very happy today. I you look like hell, friends. Gary. No, okay. But like, if you just open that dialogue, you'll be surprised. Some of my closest friends are people that I just walked up to and was like, hey, are you okay? Like, you know, I mean, I just think that as a whole, we can just be a lot more nicer and a lot more accepting of people, even though they're different than we are. Uh, I think that's a pretty good way to wrap this up unless yeah. there was something else that you wanted to say. I, I mean, think we've said it's really your forum that I've intruded on. Yeah, no, it's it's I just think we're all more alike than we think and and you know. All right. Well, so uh, I'm I I do want to say if you do want to donate to the Four Bronx Project, you can find us that's on 505bx.org. Slash Four Bronx. Let's let's just do that slower. Five oh five. Five oh five bx dot org slash Four Bronx. Four is a number. Number Four Bronx. Um, Instagram Four Bronx or email me Laura L A U R A the number Four Bronx at gmail dot com. And I'll just say uh, we'll see you on Bronx Talk and the Bronx Buzz on Bronx Net. Thank you, Laura, for having. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you for having me uh, interview you. Thank I, you I so much. It. As I said, and it's a challenge. It's really wonderful. <laughs> and until next time, community. Well, friends, that wraps up another episode of the Four Bronx Community Podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, email me today at laura4bronx at gmail.com. Join us next time. <laughs>